This week's Property Matters on Dublin South FM, the show that brings global trends to an Irish audience. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or by email at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Your host for today is myself, Carol Tallon. Due to COVID-19 restrictions, we're still recording remotely, so apologies for any poor sound quality. And I'm joined up, or I'm joined on the line for our first guest today, Pat David, CEO of IPAB. Um, Pat, welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Carol. Thanks for inviting me. Um, Pat, I'm delighted to, that you're with us today because we are getting close to estate agencies reopening um, and really what we've been doing over the last number of weeks, you know, we did it for the construction sector also, is, you know, try to prepare people for the changed uh, workplace. And I know uh, together with your team and IPAV, you've been doing that for the past two months. So look, you might just give us an update on where things are for your members right now. Yeah, Um Carol, the the um, the IPAV, the Property Services Regulatory uh, Body, and the SESI have uh, published a joint sector protocol for property service provider and the valuation sector. Uh, we did this about two weeks ago, and we sent it to the Department of Housing because we were we were sort of hoping that we may get into phase one. But it all always sort of looked like we were going to fit into phase two. And we believe now that we will be fitting into phase two uh, for the, the government's roadmap for reopening society and business on the 8th of June. So we will be uh, advising our members that uh, the return to work will happen on the, our sector uh, on the 8th of June. And we will be advising, obviously, all professionals as well as that to uh, go through and to examine the joint property protocol for property service providers and to make sure that they're well aware of it and that they familiar, familiarise themselves with it because it's very, very important because these are the rules of engagement, in other words, of uh, property service providers going back to work and valuers as well. Okay, Pat, are they available on the IPAB website? They're available on, on the IPAB website. They're available on all the website, actually. Uh, just people are listening that are members of the other institutes or they're members of neither institute. They're available on the PSRA, they're available on IPAB and they're available on the SCSI. And we have sent out to all our members already. Um, the SCSI have sent it out to all their members already. And the PSRA have sent it out to all property uh, professional PSPs. So everybody that's in the uh, property services business uh, should have a copy of this document by now. Okay, and you might just talk us through some of the key changes that need to take um, effect immediately. Um, I suppose the, the the most important thing about the protocol is the protocol is written on the basis of um, the licences that people have. So that if you, for instance, have a licence A, which is the sale of goods and chattels and, and, and that type of thing like cars or cattle or horses or that that type of auction property uh, that uh, the protocol starts off with that and it goes through right from the viewing of that of uh, an auction uh, to the actual auction taking part to the sale of the auction and to the handing out of the goods afterwards um, and it takes each point along and it will go through it and tell you what you need to do along the way to make it safe for 
people coming in to the auction and for people who own properties at the auction uh, that are selling them. So I suppose the biggest thing is, uh, from all our points of view at the moment, is the social distancing. And the social distancing, I know there's a lot of talk about whether it's going to be two metres or one metres, but we're anticipating it's two metres in this protocol document. So Mm -hmm. that um, two people can come together, but no more than two people. And they can sit together. But after that, it's social distancing and it's social distancing in getting into the auction. Uh, obviously, the washing of hands and the sanitizing of hands. Um, if we use uh, the I don't know if you know the little paddle paddle uh, bids that you that you use at these auctions. If you use those, mm-hmm. they'll be sanitized before and, 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 and after the auction. Um, and uh, basically, the auctioneer will uh, announce the conditions of the sale, but they'll also announce the HSE conditions as well for the auction to make sure that people are kept safe. And um, when the auction is over, if you buy something, you can go and pay for it by credit card, preferably uh, at the auction, or if you're buying a piece of uh, land or something else, as we get into different uh, uh, types of licenses, but it will still be by auction, you would pay by ETF or transfer. So it's really, there are a lot of uh, amendments and changes that, that actually need to sort of take place and that will take place, but at the same time, manageable and very manageable. Yeah, no, and absolutely. And look, I'd love to break it down to a really practical level. So, you know, over the past, um, you know, five, six, seven years, we've gotten used to um, not just online auctions, but maybe the multi-lot auctions, the very large ones, whereas around the country, what tends to happen is, you know, the auction might be held in the back room of the auctioneer's uh, offices or in a local hotel. And, you know, usually they wouldn't draw a massive crowd, you know, that would fill to capacity, but sometimes that happens. So does that mean we'll actually see maybe limited attendance at at auctions around the country? Yeah, and I think a lot of these type of auctions that we're talking about, Goods and Chalet and, and Chalets and, and, and uh, uh, Fine Arts, uh, I think a lot of them uh, over the past years have been bidders online anyway, uh, so that mm-hmm. that obviously won't change. Uh, there's been telephone bidders and they're still going to be there. And there's people that like to go themselves and see if they're buying something by fine art or they're buying something uh, like that, that they want to go and see it. So that won't change, except that uh, obviously if you've got a room that holds 100 people up to now, there'll probably be only 30 people in it or maybe 35 people in it. Uh, with the social distancing into the future, which uh, will limit the amount of people, obviously, that can come to the auction or the auctioneer won't have to have that auction in their auction room any longer or in the back of their office. They'll have to have it someplace that's capable of holding maybe 40, 50 people or something. So that um, auctioneers will have to judge themselves as to what they're selling, what the interest now, Pat, you're back joining us on the line there. Yes. Apologies. These are the challenges of uh, recording remotely. That would never happen in the studio. Um, so, Pat, we were just discussing how attendance at auctions might need to change. And one of the interesting as- aspects about that is that, you know, um, uh, auctions that happen in the auction room, you know, particularly in rural areas, they can be something of a spectator sport. Um, whereas online, you can only watch the bidding activity if you're registered to bid. So do you think we're likely to get to a scenario where people will actually have to register and perhaps uh, put forward their deposit if they want to attend an auction uh, with the uh, and show an intention of being there to bid? Um, I think the, the auction is... Um... Uh, the auction as as it stands is really on two different licenses with the with the uh, PSRA. So as the goods and chattel is the first one on fine art and that. So I think that a lot of people 
uh, would go to that. There might not be as much spectator sport as if somebody was selling a property under the B license, which again would be by auction. Uh, but it could be a piece of land or a house or something that locals would like to go and see what's going on as a spectator. And for now on under the protocol, if you want to attend that auction, you're going to have to register uh, to go there. And if you want to bid, uh, you, you may well be asked by the auctioneer to uh, give a credit card or a deposit or something before such time as you do. But you certainly will have to register online and there will be no such thing as walking up to an auction and walking in uh, when an auctioneer might have a certain amount of people uh, appointments and, and a certain amount of people coming and then find that they wouldn't have room for others that would come like that. So that mm-hmm. won't be the case for the future. OK, and that's a, that's a fair position for estate agents to take uh, and auctioneers to take. And um, Pat, look, you know, I, I, you and I spoke and um, you joined us on the show about maybe two and a half months ago, really, as we were just starting into the shutdown and we really didn't know what to expect um, and I know that your members at the time were finding it tough, but but were working um, around the challenges. But obviously, two months has passed. So um, from your communications with your members all around the country, how are regional um, estate agencies finding things? Um, I think the last time we spoke, offices were closing and they probably had back-end staff in the offices. And I think that would would probably be the same or something very similar still. The front offices would obviously be closed and there would be staff coming in and out of the office doing different, uh, maybe doing different brochures, uh, maybe taking different offers, et cetera, et cetera, filing different contracts, that type of thing. Uh, and that would still be going on. There is some uh, viewings going on of uh, empty houses uh, for, again, mostly the viewings are going on for uh, frontline workers um, under the government uh, regulation of the 28th of March if you are uh, if you're a link to a business that's an essential services business you can continue on doing that business so if it's viewing for frontline workers if it's accommodation for the homeless for the needy if mm-hmm. it's if it's valuation for banks for uh, as, as accountants for people who are on the list you can continue doing them but obviously you have to do them safely and some people uh, don't want to do them uh, but if valuers or agents want to do those viewings, they can do them. But there would be no open viewings as we know open viewings like people coming uh, to uh, in, in, in a mass of 10 or 12 or 20 people coming to a property to look at it. That uh, wouldn't be allowed and isn't even allowed under the new industry protocol. OK, yeah. And I, I, these are the changes that um, as estate agencies start to open up again, hopefully uh, at this stage, we're expecting that to happen under phase two in about 10 days. So as that happens, these are the new protocols that estate agents are going to have to to incorporate into their work schedules. So um, I, I suppose just let's start with the offices, um, uh, because at the moment we know under phase one, um, so construction sites are open again. However, the offices are still, access to offices are still very limited. So anybody uh, on the team who can work from home is continuing to do so. Is that something that's going to be encouraged for estate and letting agents also? Yes, it's going to be encouraged from the uh, 8th of June. So some people will want to open their office probably on the 8th of June. Some people won't want to open it. Maybe they're not ready to open it yet because there are quite a few other things that you need to do as well, Carl, even to comply with government regulations. There is what's known as a COVID-19 plan, which turned out to be uh, quite a large plan because it has to be done by every business. Mm -hmm. And uh, this plan would have to take in 
uh, a lot of uh, into consideration a lot of the things that's needed in the office when you make a return to work as well as it would have to take uh, health and safety into consideration uh, now we have sent one of those to our members it's a 67 page document so you can imagine that it's a quite sizable document and it would go through all of the different uh, things in your office like we'd say social uh, distancing um now and it's not really it's not it's not a protocol as such but it's guidelines that has to be completed by uh, you as being the business owner in the event of the health and safety coming to your office to find out like there are things in your office uh, which many people wouldn't uh, think of and uh, things like if you can't have social distancing supposed even our corridor stairs things like that if somebody uh, some of your staff get sick in your office if some member of the public comes in and you have an appointment with them and they come to your office and they get sick what how you handle it and what you do in those particular cases and also uh, it provides for a person um who would be a covid uh, person in your office that all of this would be would be linked to with yourself as possibly your uh, property uh, manager yourself so that a lot of things need to be done there's also um, the perspex, uh, uh, I suppose, guards that need to be put up at front receptions. We're holding, uh, hosting a webinar on Friday morning to go through these protocols, Carl, which is uh, very good from a member's point of view. And we will go through the joint uh, protocol, joint sector protocol, uh, first of all, with members, just to get them used to the way it works, like with the different licences. And we will also go through the COVID-19 response plan. And that response plan, um, will have to have an update of their occupational health and safety risks, uh, which again is very, very important. And that particular part of the COVID-19 plan takes a little bit more detail to complete than uh, the general part of the plan. So we intend to go through all of that to bring members up to date and then they have a week then to get their offices basically uh, ready for uh, members of the public and uh, get back to work on the 8th. And that's really what we'd like to see and get the get the property sector back working again, because there's a lot of people who want properties viewed and properties to view properties themselves and want to put the property in the market. We believe that there's going to be a bit of a, a hush up for this, that there's going to be a lot of interest and that agents are going to be very, very busy coming out of this period uh, to catch up on a lot of the work that they have missed out on in the past number of weeks. And uh, we think that property prices are not going to change very much one way or the other. Uh, we don't see a big uh, decrease in property prices by 10 or 15 percent has been out there in the newspapers already. Uh, from what we see, we think property prices are going to come back at very close to where they were prior to COVID. OK, well, look, certainly, Pat, I, I hope that all that uh, proves to be the case, because that's exactly what we need for the property market to, to continue and thrive for 2020. Um, the, the webinar on Friday sounds like a great resource where can people find details to register for that? They can find details on IPAV to register for us at 11am on Friday morning. They can find details if they want to register on the IPAV website or if they want to send an email to info at ipav.ie. We will send them a link for it anyhow, but they will be able to pick it up themselves on the website. That's super. Thank you so much, Pat. You're always a mind of information. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so we leave it there for now. Our thanks again to Pat David, CEO of IPAB. We need to take another quick break. Stay tuned. 93.9 Dublin South FM. And welcome back to Property Matters on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on Twitter at iProperty Radio or by email at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. I'm delighted to be joined on the line now by Emer Malone, 
owner of Ballyshan House in Inishtig, County Kilkenny. Um, Imra, thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, I'm good. delighted. Imer, I read about your story in the Sunday Times last weekend, and it's an interesting one. Um, together with your husband, um, John, at the time, now ex-husband and, and friend, as you describe him, um, you're both selling this home. But it, it, well, it's such a spectacular home anyway. Unfortunately, radio doesn't do it justice. But you've developed a beautiful website to promote the sale. So you might just talk to us, uh, first of all, about Ballyshan House. Yeah, absolutely. So we built um, built it ourselves. So it was a self-build project back in 2007. We started off and then finished it two years later. So um, that allowed us to do exactly what we wanted with the house and um, allowed us to kind of go above and beyond what maybe a builder would do or um, put in extra features that were were really special um, and then the location as well we were the site um, was family land so we were really lucky in that that gave us a, a good start to have a nice really nice uh, site to start yeah on. well you know you're describing it as a nice site which is really underplaying <laughs> it because for anybody who wants to take a look at the images there um the website, while the, the house is pronounced uh, Ballyshan, it's actually uh, spelt as Ballyshane House. Um, and yeah. you're sitting with really, um, Inishtig is such a beautiful area anyway, but you're sitting quite on elevated site with beautiful views right across the countryside. And you've really capitalised on those views by the design of the home. Um, was the was the house designed by an architect or did you did you do a lot of that yourself? We did a good bit ourselves. Um, so I suppose we had seen so many different houses of different people and 16 rooms that weren't used. And we just said, OK, we want big rooms, good, like absolutely make use of light and make use of the views. So we started just by doing sketches and seeing what what else was mm -hmm. around um and definitely then the views were were really important in that we put the the living room upstairs so that you could really um capture the views from and upstairs. it looks is it floor to ceiling windows both upstairs and downstairs where your sitting room and kitchen overlooks yeah yeah we we got some kind of strange <laughs> replies from uh window manufacturers when we went to them with the plans but eventually found um, really good uh, suppliers. So we have floor to ceiling on both floors. So it really, really captures. Yeah, and it's you. such a unique design element that's so perfect for the site and it's perfect for the house. And I mean, the house itself is is very large. What's the square footage? Is I had to write this down because I'm not. Is <laughs> 2,700 square foot. Um, and then two guest bedrooms and a master bedroom. So we just didn't want lots of small pokey rooms we just wanted the rooms that we had to be nice and bright and spacious fabulous and you've everything complete with um uh it looks like a bar in one of the photographs did you actually design a bar into your upstairs sitting room we did we did there's a bar in the upstairs sitting room and there's two separate seating areas so you have your your seating area over at the windows which are in front of the stove the stove is also at the windows TV over there so that's a very social corner and then over in the other corner you have your TV and your seating area over there if you want to 
to go put yourself in a cozy corner. Okay. Well, it looks like um, a house that's designed for socialising anyway. It, it's fantastic <laughs> and, and beautifully executed. So well done with that. Um, and, you. you know, I mentioned that I learned uh, about your story from reading it in the Sunday Times. Um, but yourself and John have decided to go your separate ways um, and neither of you want to remain in the house. So you might just actually talk us through the thought process behind that, because it's such a yeah. spectacular home. Clearly so much personality, so much time, so much love went into it. Um, you know, so it's interesting that this is the decision you've come to. Yeah. So I suppose we were together since we were um, 17. So and then eventually and grad and I'm 36 now. So we kind of got to the point where we knew we were more friends than we were in a in a relationship so we made that decision and um told family and friends and then we have been living together quite happily but we said okay we we were at the point now where this was our home so we're ready to to move on then and have our own separate houses where we can visit each other but you know live our separate lives then a bit more practically Okay, and you know, I know it makes that that does make sense yeah. when you say it like that. And you know, again, obviously, this is a deeply personal issue, and, and certainly we're not going to go down that road. But you know, it's interesting when you come together to design a home that's envisaged for life. Then it really does become not just the home of one person, but it really is the the joint um, dreams uh, of two. But you know, you're you seem to be very optimistic about um, creating this was done at a time when you know it was right at the time yeah. for creating this home but now seems to be the right time for you each to create a home yourselves absolutely and then have somebody else here then and you know there's be more parties and more barbecues and yeah no it's just it's nice to pass it on now to another another couple or another you know, whoever ends up having yeah it. yeah well, look, it's a spectacular home. So, um, you know, I, I'm certainly very envious of whoever ends up in it. Because I think, you know, look, I, I've mentioned there that it's an elevated site. It's in a beautiful location. But, I mean, Inishtig, for anybody who's not familiar with it, you know, for me, the generation I am, it will always be uh, the setting of Maeve Binchy's Circle of Friends. You know, it, it featured so prominently there. But, you know, it's such a beautiful area, uh, Woodstock House, uh, you're close to Mount Juliet. There's beautiful walking trails. Um, does the Barrow walking trail go as far as in the Steeg? It does. Yes. Yeah. Um, I actually got a really, uh, it's something that it was an inquiry to me was quite surprising, but I suppose it makes sense. Somebody, because we're getting inquiries about the house. So somebody asked if it was possible to walk to in the Steeg and not go any on any roads. So then when I looked at some of the walks I do, um, it is actually possible to walk entirely to Innistee by, it would take you longer, but you can walk through fabulous forestry and then you can walk down through Woodstock Gardens and then come out in Innistee Village from, all the way from this house. So it's it would be a really lovely walk. Oh, fabulous. Well, I, I've many a times walked uh, Woodstock and then obviously from Woodstock in and out the village and it's the views are spectacular. You know, it really is. It's an unusual part, you know, from St. Mullins and that area. It really is um, a, a beautiful part of Ireland. Uh, one of the things that really struck me uh, about your story is that, um, you know, not only is this an unusual house and um, an unusual setting, 
But you've also decided now to to pass this on in a very unusual way. So you're selling it yourself. You're not using an estate agent. Yeah, which is unusual. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So why why is a matter of interest? Yeah. So I have I built a house, but I've never bought a house or I've never sold a house. So I did. I literally had to Google how how do you buy a house, how do you sell a house, because I had no. Uh, prior knowledge of the process that's fair so yeah so first thing is you you must have a solicitor so I said okay that's fair enough you have to have a solicitor and then the next thing is you you should have an estate agent or that's the the usual route Mm -hmm. and then looked into the the roles and the responsibilities of the estate agent so one of them was marketing the property and I kind of thought okay well I think I can manage that I can create a website it can maybe try to create a bit of a buzz around the house um put some social media together so it has its own social media accounts on instagram and facebook mm-hmm. uh, and then the other roles then were um showing the house so showing people around um and i had looked into that a little bit as well it's a bit more common maybe in america and the uk than it is in ireland mm-hmm. but it, it is done on occasions and then the third um, role and something I can't do is, um, I suppose, controlling and accepting bids in relation to each other. So obviously I have no um, license to lose. So I would never expect somebody to uh, believe me if I rang them and said, oh, actually, there's another offer in and it's X amount higher than your offer. Hmm. So around that then is to say each offer will be considered in isolation and I'll either say yes or no and that's the end of it there'll be no back and forth proof of funds if you don't have the funds when contracts are signed that's you know it, it would be a waste of time for everybody so I don't yeah. see yeah that kind of, so once I kind of worked out that maybe I might be able to do it myself I said I'll give it a go okay um, yeah um, and then I, sorry go ahead yeah, no, and then my other kind of next step is give it a go. And if it doesn't work, I have no problem then going to um, an auctioneer and saying, actually, that didn't work. But hopefully it will. Yeah. OK, no, and look, I, yeah. I am, it's not the usual route, but no. I, I'm interested myself to hear how you get on. Now, I'm quite sure just because, again, to play the devil's advocate here, I'm sure if we had an estate agent on the line, they would probably tell you about some of the other services uh, yeah. that they do. So, for example, um, and by the way, just just to, to get it out there, I'm not an estate agent and I never have been. But I, I would say that the role of an estate agent, particularly in a local area, um, also takes in um, their local knowledge. So their local knowledge of competing properties, whether they're openly on or on the market yet or available off market, but also knowledge of a local pool of buyers um, that might be and not just uh, know who potential buyers might be, but also their financial circumstances in, you know, if they've just sold land or if, you know, they've come into inheritance or if they've, they're planning on selling their own home or they're family returning. You know, they just know the, the circumstances of buyers um, who have made inquiries. So, you know, so just I, I suppose to throw it yeah. out that there are a number of other functions and also in terms of valuing the property, um, because that's a really big one. You know, um, I, I spent many years as a as a buyer's agent um, going back, you know, more than a decade or, or longer ago. And 
um, you know, it, it was interesting then because what we invariably found is that, you know, people, uh, absolutely understandably, people maybe would be very uh, attached to their home. So they might place value at, at a different place maybe than the market value. So how did you go about um, how did you go about assessing the value of the home? So we did that in a very, um, tried to take that, uh, what you were saying about the emotional attachment that you think your home is, what about the value of the site and the views and um, the services that were put in and then the square. Uh, Emer, I'm sorry, the line, the line is breaking up there slightly. Can sorry. you hear me okay? Yeah. No, no, you're fine. It's yeah. just it's just breaking up there slightly. So you might just start there from uh, and let our audience know how you came to reach a value of the home. Yeah. So we a technical approach to not um, have that kind of emotional uh, value of saying my house is the best house. So we looked at the value of the site with the views and the location um, the cost of building um, in this area with this square footage with the spec and the finish that's in the house um, and then added on I suppose the the difficult of getting planning permission it's very strict in NC mm -hmm. um, and then that that's where we we reached our purchase price. okay and actually as a matter of interest then for you to create your own new home just because the uh, planning in that area is quite strict Will you be able to secure planning again or are you confident of securing planning again? So what I'm hoping to do and what I'm I'm keeping an eye out for is a little maybe stone cottage that's derelict um, to renovate that. That's that's where I'm planning next, if if that's possible. That's that's plan A. Um, and then I'm going to go from there. Yeah. OK, no, because actually it is a, a part of the country that actually has exceptionally strict planning and um, probably even more Sorry. so. Yeah, which, by the way, adds to the beauty of it and the appeal of it. And um, so, look, you've you've actually launched a website now. And by the way, the photography is absolutely beautiful. The brochure is so beautifully laid out that um, I'm I'm actually hoping that estate agents will take a look at this website and photography and and brochure just to see how beautifully presented a property should be. Um, but how how are you going about marketing it? Um, so my first um, point of call was um, I hired a professional photographer. So um, really good guy. Um, he's from Enniscorthy. His name is Conrad. And he did the photographs, thankfully, prior to lockdown. Nothing had happened before any of the photographs were taken. And then I created the uh, PDF brochure and sent that to some of the um, property magazines and newspapers um, with the hopes that somebody would be interested in featuring it. And thankfully, uh, and that was just a case of Googling the uh, email addresses. There was, I had no connection or anything to the Irish Times. So they got back to me and were interested in featuring it. Um, created the website fairly quickly in just a couple of evenings because I already had the content. Um, and then set up the social media accounts um, there's some paid promotional sponsorship posts that I've put maybe you don't have to put a huge spend into social media um, sponsorship so there's maybe 50 60 euro got into that so that's my my process so far and I've gotten really good uh, feedback and interest and if I need to 
to step it up another level, then um, I might look at it's not listed on daft or it's not listed on my home. So that would be maybe my next step if I feel the need to do okay, that. Okay, and but you're you're quite uh, adamant that the right buyer for this home is probably not a local person. It's probably not somebody who's even living or based in Ireland, but perhaps somebody who's looking from outside of Ireland, maybe looking for a real retreat in the country. Think, yeah, and I think based on um, say the stats in the back end of the website, there's a lot of people from the UK viewing the website. So I think that's more than likely where the buyer will be coming from very good well then i hope that you've yeah. tried to get some property editorial in the uk as well i actually haven't no so that's, there you that's go that's your next step, step. <laughs> next step. Yeah, thanks very much. yeah no no that's that's fantastic um <laughs> we're going to have to leave it there um I, I'm fascinated by the process. I was so impressed, not just from the from the from uh, the the property itself and the location, but your presentation of it is absolutely stunning. Um, it's absolutely uh, first rate. So um, certainly, I I would encourage anybody who's interested, certainly in in property in that area, to go on to. It, it's pronounced Ballyshan, but again, the spell for the purpose of spelling, it's Ballyshanehouse.com. Is that correct? The same from on Facebook as well, Sally Shane Spelling, yeah. Perfect. OK, and my apologies to anybody listening in. Um, the sound quality of the line is quite poor, but I think that's a really interesting story. And Emer, with your permission, it's definitely one that I'd like to return to because I'm, I'm interested to hear how you get on selling a property that isn't listed on our property portals um, or not using an agent, or if in in a month or two that changes. So look, absolutely best of luck to yourself and John now. Stunning home, you know, really so much love and design and care and has gone into the build. The next owners will be very fortunate to get it. Um, so I'm really interested to see how this process works. So Emer, we might touch base again, uh, or you might keep us updated in the process as you move along. Absolutely, yeah, I'd love to, that'd be perfect. Super. And just a reminder to everybody there that the, the website is www.ballyshanehouse.com. Emer, best of luck to yourself and John. Um, that, and thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your story. We need to take another quick break now and we'll be back shortly. Thank you. Stay tuned. Bye-bye. 93.9 Dublin South FM. And welcome back to Property Matters on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. We are, of course, recording from home as the radio station operates remotely in full compliance with government guidelines. So please bear with us for any sound quality issues. Um, so I'm delighted to be joined on the phone now by John Callan, Head of Product and Client Solutions at myhome.ie. John, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Delighted I can join you. Um, John, this is exciting news from my home because obviously my home would be well recognised as one of the early tech leaders in the property market in Ireland. You know, certainly um, always at the forefront for new innovation. So I'm excited to hear about My Home Live, which was just launched over the past week. So you might just explain to the audience what is My Home Live? Sure. Um, so My Home Live, it's a, it's a new solution that we've launched last week, as you mentioned. It offers all estate agents the opportunity to live stream property viewings on our platform, myhome.ie, to an unlimited number of viewers. Uh, so agents can live stream a video of themselves while doing a tour of the property and viewers can ask questions via a live chat facility while they're viewing it. And it's effectively creating a digital open viewing platform. 
Excellent. So this would, of course, then be uh, by way of scheduled, not necessarily appointment, but certainly these would be scheduled in advance. And then prospective buyers, do they sign up to, to log on? Yes, absolutely. So if you think of the, the, the process in the, the, the real world, when pre-COVID-19, when a, an open viewing for a property may occur, the estate agent would schedule an open house viewing for that given property. And a number of people would turn up and register at the door or pre-register for that property. And you could have 10, 20, 30, 40 people at, at a viewing. Now, given that the, the new reality of COVID-19 uh, and the new social distancing protocols, etc., uh, those thing, those type of open viewings, we believe, uh, won't be able to be facilitated anymore. So what we have created is a digital open viewing whereby a user may come on. Or, sorry, first of all, an estate agent would schedule a, an open viewing, uh, go to the property on their own walk through the property, live stream a video of that property, and users can pre-register uh, to, to view that in the comfort of their own home. And should they want kind of the estate agent to go back and go through the, the kitchen or get a different angle or look at a different room slightly differently, etc., they would be able to engage there and then with the estate agent to do that while uh, the estate agent is, is vi video, um, videoing the property. Okay, that's excellent, uh, particularly in terms of the, the questions. Um, but just from the estate agent's point of view, because I'm very aware uh, from, from working with PropTech Ireland over the past four to five years that there is a huge uh, difference in terms of uh, techno technological ability and, and willingness to embrace technology by estate agents up and down the country. So I suppose, first of all, for for ease of comfort and use, how easy is it for an agent that mightn't be very tech savvy to conduct this viewing and and to, to host the Q&A? So it, it's super straightforward. So all our agents who, who engage and uh, list their properties with uh, my home have access to our property manager system where they go to upload their properties. So they're familiar with that platform already. So they would just go log on to the platform, schedule a time that suits them, turn up at the house then at that appointed time, log on on their mobile and turn on their camera and that would start it. Okay, excellent. And in terms of the questions, how will they be able to see questions coming in? So the questions will be streamed and kind of fed in at the bottom of their screen on their phone. And it will just important to note, it's it's only the agent that can see the questions. So you may have 10, 15, 20 viewers, um, but they won't be able to see in, um, each other's questions. Only the agent would be able to see the questions. So they maybe they can take kind of confidential questions and say, we'll, we'll return to that and I'll follow up with you via phone or email subsequent to the open viewing. Or if it's a general kind of public orientated question, they'll be able to answer it there and then on the platform verbally. Okay. And will viewers be able to see how many other viewers are there in the same way as you might if you're walking around an open house? Not currently. That is the plan in the future that we would uh, be able to do that. However, in an interest to get the product to market to support the industry and uh, as 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 the industry begins to open up again, we we want we had to descope some initial features like that. But in in the future, yes, that is something we'd like to be able to do. 
Yeah, that's great because it's an important one as well. It's a little bit like uh, bidding at an online auction. You want to know how many people are bidding because, you know, it's not it's not um, necessarily uh, an accurate representation, but it's a good indication of other interest in the property at that time. And in terms of the live viewing, will that be available then for somebody to view afterwards? Say, for example, if they can't view at the at the prescribed time while it's live. Is there an option to view back? Yes. So we've we've empowered the agent to do that. So after the uh, viewing has has occurred, uh, the agent will be able to access through their their own um, private um, back end portal on my home, and they they will be able to access the viewing, see the viewing, see the recording, and see all the people who have attended, and be able to follow up with those individually. And should they so wish then they can attach that viewing to the listing on my home in the future. Oh, excellent. Okay, great. And is there an option to do multiple viewings, live viewings or live stream viewings for, for property? Yeah, absolutely. Not obviously con- concurrently, but yeah. um, you can um, like if, if you want to, if you've got a nice property and you want to do five viewings over uh, five lunch times, you could absolutely do that. There's no restriction on the number. Okay, and look, I would almost assume that this is something that would be very well received from, you know, potential buyers um, or investors. But from the agents themselves, what kind of reaction are you getting um, as the agents actually get to grips with this? So we've we've had a had a super reaction from agents, to be honest, because some of them, some like and there's been multiple different reactions. I share some of them. So. Some it'll help bring uniformity to virtual viewings and a level of consistency. And so rather than having to record something on a YouTube video and that and share pre-record or that, this would kind of professionalize it and give estate agents more more kind of control and ability also to uh, engage and develop that rapport with a potential um, buyer, which is really important. It'll, okay. It'll enable them con- to conduct effectively an open property viewing in these social distance times and on on the vendor side which is is a really interesting one one of the things that's been fed back to us is that actually we we and the agents need to give vendors more comfort now that um they won't necessarily need to have 10 20 30 40 people streaming through their house which at the moment they are, are up until covid19 may have been the typical way to view a property whereas this will enable a a an agent to do a virtual viewing a, a live viewing the prospective uh, buyer can shortlist themselves in or out and then conduct a one-to-one viewing okay and i can absolutely see the value of this and it's something that we've spoken about um we've actually spoken about it over the past year and a half here on the show but particularly over the past two and a half months um since the shutdown one of the things we've talked about is that the, the technology absolutely exists for the entire property process um, up to conveyancing uh, to be done in a frictionless way online. But the missing element there is, you know, that cult- culture shift. We hadn't really made the culture shift to, particularly for the secondhand home market, for buyers to... Um, I, I suppose, to, to buy a secondhand property that they hadn't walked around, you know, with the exception of, you know, maybe investors or people who are living overseas or something. Um, so by my home introducing this, in a way, it is normalising that it is OK to purchase a property without physically walking through it. So uh, in terms of the culture shift, have you any plans 
I suppose, something that you can do to help buyers make that transition? So to help, like, I, I think there, there will be, there, there still will be a big mindset change that buyers will have to, would have to go through to buy a property without seeing it. Like there are mm-hmm. certain things that maybe you can't really capture through a virtual viewing, but what it will do is really, really enable you to rule yourself in or out as a buyer for a property. Uh, and so that will facilitate a one-to-one viewing if you really do want to see it, see the property. So I think that like I, I can see a scenario emerging where like the open viewings of the past will 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 be a thing of the past that they won't won't reemerge in 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 the in the, the new post COVID nineteen or existing COVID nineteen kind of reality. Uh, and I can see particularly in the rental world people renting much more, and we already have a lot of anecdotal evidence from estate or from letting agents whereby people are conducting the whole thing end to end virtually. Uh, so integrating a live streaming feature into a into our platform will enable an agent to do it all pretty seamlessly online rather than having to pre-record stuff on a YouTube or do a Facebook live kind of uh, viewing, etc. So it's all integrated for them to to and uh, to do it in a much more seamless fashion. Yeah, I, I agree with you, actually, in terms of the rental market. I think that tenants will absolutely love this. I think they're absolutely happy to to um, rent a property. In fact, what we've seen over the past uh, three to four years in Dublin is that uh, prospective tenants are so eager to rent that they would happily rent something based on photographs alone, not even a live viewing. So this will absolutely improve this. But it's interesting that, you know, there there was a PropTech solution in, in the Irish marketplace for rental properties that were only being viewed remotely. Um, and that was Spot a Home. Um, and the Irish office of Spot a Home was one of the early casualties of um, COVID-19. And they exited the Irish market um, over the past few months. So I, I think that this might be one of those times where, uh, it was the right solution, but perhaps not the right time. Whereas now the COVID-19 restrictions have made this not just an option. It's no longer just a nice to have. This is how we're going to do business. And I think it will be easier for tenants to make that shift than potentially for home buyers. Um, but yet home buyers for newly built properties off plan do this. Uh, abs- so, absolutely. And, and it was one of the reasons why we we really were keen to bring it to market in, in at this time when um the construction industry was going back to work last week and uh, potentially like there will be show houses that potentially would be could be viewed uh, on a, on site or that uh, as the market beginning begins to emerge from from lockdown and this this will just we believe it, releasing at this time and ingraining this new way of doing business and trying to bring more of the process online uh, is the right thing to do. And that cultural shift it was probably happening anyway, albeit slowly, mm-hmm. but this uh, crisis has really accelerated and um, the property industry's adaptation of on- online um, features and technology, as well as virtually every facet of our life, life at the moment. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right there, John. Um, so in terms of adoption, I know that this has only been um, rolled out in the last week. So have you had any live viewing streamed so far? We have a number of schedules, none that have actually okay. happened, but we have a number of schedules. 
Yeah, no, but that, that, look, that's the that's the um, joy exactly. of early adopters coming yeah. in. So it will be interesting to see. Are they scheduled now to happen this week? They're scheduled week? to happen this week. Yeah, so we're really excited about those and to get the feedback from agents and uh, viewers. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, do you know yet, um, are there many, have many buyers signed up for these or potential buyers or tenants signed up? for the ones that are scheduled this week? I don't have any uh, stats on that uh, yet. I know we have a number scheduled, but I don't know actually how many have registered at the moment. Okay. And in terms of the, the current uh, rules and the HSE guidelines, I presume at the moment we can only view properties that are vacant in any event. At the, so it, Yes, yeah. at the moment, that's my understanding. You can only view properties that are vacant and there's quite tight protocols about... Um, uh, slots for it's a, it's a one-to-one viewing arrangement slots everything has to be um recorded and to who the person uh, is attending stuff sanitized etc in between viewings and so on okay very good john and just into for the for the estate agents who would be um I, the people using this and that we want to really promote the use of this is there an additional charge for this service no there's no additional charge for this service we're launching it because we feel that it's the right thing to do for the market at the moment and try and get the market moving again. That's great to hear. And in terms of, are there any restrictions on the number of properties or viewings that um, any particular estate agency can use? Not at the moment. We don't. Like what we're trying to do is drive um, adoption at the moment and drive usage, iron out any kinks that may occur. Uh, and then in the future is obviously there's a cost for us to provide the service. We'll have to look at what that is and make sure we come up with a, a model that uh, sustains sustains it for us and is sustainable for agents to use. Yeah, it's amazing that you got this done and out into the market in such a short space of time. So that's a massive credit to you and your team there, John. Well done. Um, so uh, it, it, this might be a very premature question, but um, knowing how the innovation cycle works, you know, can you give us a glimpse as to what you're working on now or next? So we've got it. We've got a lot of exciting plans, some of which were many of which were in, in train prior to COVID-19. And we had to rejig, rejig the priority of them. And uh, as a result of it, we got My Home Live out very quickly. We're super proud of that. We're yeah, the that's second, amazing. second in the world with this feature on our site after Hemnet in Sweden. So um uh, we're really proud of that and proud of the team to have delivered it so so well so quickly. In terms of other um, items we're working on, we've some really uh, innovative solutions coming to, to big problems that we believe uh, exist in the market at the moment. Uh, it's a little premature just to say what exactly they are, but I'd love a chance uh, in the future to, to, to talk to you and your listeners more about those because we believe there's a lot of problems and challenges agents and users experience in the, the property buying um, ecosystem. And we've got exciting plans to address those. Good. Look, I look forward to hearing more about that. Um, John, thank you so much for being with us today and, us, and talking us through My Home Live, which is such an exciting feature, second in the world. That's an amazing achievement for your team to get that rolled out so quickly. So well done and thank you again.
That was John Callan, Head of Product and Client Solutions at myhome.ie. Um, and that's it from us today. Thank you for listening into Property Matters on Dublin South FM, the show where property matters. Get in touch with the show by emailing hello at iPropertyRadio.com or on Twitter at iPropertyRadio. Also, my thanks to Peter Rice on Sound and to show producer Katie Talon of Hear Me Roar Media. We'll be back at the same time next week from myself, Carol Talon and all the team here. Stay safe.